Good morning, everybody. It is good to be here. Now, for those of you, you like that Trader Joe's? I mean, I was born and raised in Southern California, and now Trader Joe's is in Fort Wayne. Woohoo! All right. So, for those of you who were here last Sunday, every time I pulled a weed this week, I thought of Reg. So, Reg taught us that you, you, you want to get the roots when you pull a weed. Remember that, everybody? You remember that? Uh, and and the, the spiritual application is that God is trying to root sin out of our lives. So, I thought a lot of you, Reg, you were on my mind. Now, Reg said, you're in trouble when you pull a weed in it and just the top comes off. So you want to get the root. Memorial Day, the day we remember. Let me, uh, why don't you raise your hands. How many of you uh, don't have to go to work tomorrow or school? Let me see your hands. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Tomorrow we remember that freedom is never free. It always comes with a price tag. By the way, nice tribute. As Reg said, I did three tours in Vietnam. Well, actually, two years, five months, and 14 days. I don't have the, the hours, but who's counting, right? When I was on the pastoral staff at the Long Beach Grace Brethren Church, a family from our church visited as tourists Washington, D.C., and when they went to the wall, their little boy started crying at the Vietnam Memorial Wall because he couldn't find Pastor Jay's name on the wall. And he was crying. Oh, I want to see his name on the wall because he was in Vietnam. No, 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 son. You, you don't want to see his name on the wall. Uh, every year, uh, well, it's tonight at 8 o'clock at WNIT is the uh, National Memorial Day concert from Washington, D.C. It is spellbinding. Jan and I are just like glued. We watch this every year, and it's very emotional, sometimes with tears in our eyes. Well, let's begin this morning with a question, all right? So here's the question. What is identity? What does identity mean? So I'd like for you to turn to the person sitting next to you or a neighbor nudge and just have a conversation and answer the question, what, what is identity? What's that mean? Go ahead. Talk among yourselves. Identity. What is identity? Okay, uh, let's talk out loud. Any, anybody, what are some of your responses? What are some of your answers or thoughts? Who you are. Well, you can't. <laughs> Identity is who you are. Yep. Um, you know, whenever I fly, uh, I have to show proof of my identity with a uh, government-issued photo, what are the two letters? Uh, ID. Uh, in other words, I have to prove that I am who I say that I am, right? 
So I was flying through Cleveland, Ohio, making a connecting flight. Jay Bell played shortstop for the Cleveland Indian or for the Cleveland Indians, and um, his his first time at bat as a major league baseball player, and on the first pitch as a major leaguer, guy hit a home run. So he was a man of, of notoriety uh, in, in Cleveland. And so I'm making this connecting flight. Back then we used paper tickets, and the lady hadn't looked up. She had her head down, so, um, so I slid my paper ticket under her nose, and she saw the name J. Bell. And she whipped her head up in anticipation. I said, uh, wrong, J. Bell. And she said, obviously. <laughs> Same name. Different identity. Personal identity can get a little confusing. And it really starts early when you factor in all the voices that um, shape or try to shape our identity. Starts really early. Childhood and families continues, actually, for the rest of our lives. People speaking into our identity, teachers, for example, coaches, classmates, friends, employers, and on and on. Every one of us in this worship center has been packaged uh, in terms of our personal identity, or we're being packaged even today in our terms of our personal identity. And this is very important, personal identity. is. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, how you feel about yourself will actually impact the way that you live your life. What you think about yourself can drive your life, actually can, can steer your life. Identity was on Moses' mind when he had his conversation with God in Exodus 3.11. He's talking with the creator God, and Moses said, who am I? Identity. I saw a picture of a church sign that said, don't give up. Moses was once a basket case. <laughs> Identity was certainly on the minds of the 10 spies when they gave a bad report after spying out the promised land in Numbers 13. The 10 spies told the children of Israel, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Seriously? I mean, like, the spies went out to the land of Canaan taking a survey? Hi, I'm an Israelite, and I'm taking a survey. Um, exactly what do we look like in your eyes? Identity. We were small. They were big. Identity is a hot topic today in our culture in terms of critical race theory. Identity politics, for example, or gender... What's the word? Identity. Okay, let's shift from personal identity to spiritual identity. When it comes to spiritual identity, the question is not who you think you are or who you are in your own eyes. Spiritual identity is who you are in the eyes of God. It's what God thinks of you. And there are two words in the New Testament that summarizes our, our spiritual identity in Christ. In other words, who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ. Now, you have notes in your bulletins of 33 points, 
and mine are here. You have uh, 33 points. And these points, look at them. It says, I am, I am, I have, I am. If God were here talking with you, he would say, you are, you are. I wear glasses in order to help me see better. These 33 points are like 33 sets of lenses on the nose of God because this is what he sees when he looks at you. This is what he thinks of you. Now, we're going to do something a little different. I want everybody to stand, please. Everybody stand. And we're going to read these points out loud in unison. Uh, We will start with the bold, I renounce the lie, and we will work our way through this, okay? Now, you're not going to be the only voice, so those of us, you know, it's going to be a little weird breaking the sound barrier in a church service on Sunday morning, but let's begin. I renounce the lie that I am rejected, unloved, or shameful. In Christ, I am accepted. God says, I am Christ's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with him. I have been bought with a price. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I renounce the lie that I am guilty, unprotected, alone, or abandoned. In Christ, I am secure. God says, I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and discipline. I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I renounce the lie that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. In Christ, I am significant. God says, I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am a branch of the true vine, Jesus, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ's. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am God's co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am not the great I am, but by the grace of God, 
I am who I am. You may be seated. I'd like to draw your attention on the backside and the fourth bullet point from the bottom. Okay, you got the count up four bullet points. And that fourth bullet point from the bottom says, I am, what's the verb? What's it say? Seated. Seated. What's that mean? I'm, I'm sitting, right? Now, look at the next word, with. What's with mean? Together, alongside, Christ, where? In the heavenly realms. That's crazy. You're, you're sitting in this worship center uh, here. How can you be sitting in two different geographical locations at one time? Well, the fourth bullet point from the bottom is talking about your spiritual position, your spiritual identity in Christ. So let's unpack and see what this means. Now let's go back to the front side of your notes. Two main points, right-hand seat and Satan's retreat. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and let's begin in verse 15. Ephesians 1, 15. Do you have a paragraph title above verse 15? Anybody? What, 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 what's it say in your Bible? Okay, thanksgiving and prayer. So Paul is writing this letter to a church in the city of Ephesus. Let's pick it up in verse 15. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, let's go down to verse 18. And he's praying that the eyes of your hearts... Um, whenever you see the word hearts, you, you can insert the concept of mind, the, the eyes of your hearts, the eyes of your minds, enlightened. What's that mean? Just flip it, and it's light in. Um, you have to have light to have sight. No light, no sight. And the same thing is true spiritually. If there's no light, if there's no spiritual light in your heart and mind, you, you can't see. You're blind. And so Paul is praying that God would like flip on the lights um, so that they may know, let's go back to verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know three things. Number one, what is the hope to which he has called you? Number two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? The hope, the riches, verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness? Immeasurable. You can't measure it. And what is the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe, according 
to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and, what's it say? Seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. As Paul was writing this magnificent letter to the church in the city of Ephesus, he obviously they're on his mind and he's writing to them and he starts to pray for them and he, and he wrote his prayer right into his letter. Now, look closely at verse 20. Verse 20 says that, um, that God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him. Jesus experienced two rise, uh, risings. The first, he rose from the dead, and then he rose from the earth. Luke recorded this in Luke chapter 1. Um, the paragraph title in my Bible above Luke chapter 1 verse 6 says, The Ascension. And so Jesus rose from the dead, and then physically he rose from the earth. He ascended physically into heaven. So let me, let me demonstrate this. Um, this, is, <clears throat> this is what happened when Jesus arrived in heaven. <laughs> the angels went nuts. <laughs> they hadn't seen him for 33 years. And when Jesus arrived, this is what he did. He sat down on his throne of authority. Matthew records this in Matthew 28. When Jesus accomplished the transactions at Calvary for our sin and against Satan, Matthew said that, recording Jesus, all authority has now been given to me, both in heaven and on earth. All authority. When Jesus sat down, he sat down on his throne of authority. Now, let's look at verse 21. And notice the geographical reference in verse 21. Jesus sat down, and he sat down far above. That's really important. All rule and authority and power and dominion. Those are synonyms for the demonic angels, for Satan and his demonic angels. We see this in Ephesians 6.12, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against and rulers and powers and authorities. Well, here, here we have the same thing. So, so when Jesus sat down, he sat down far above. That's the rightful position of a king, high and lifted up in his position of authority, far above everybody else. Okay, let's talk about you and me. Um, as Reg read, let's go to chapter 2, verse 1 in Ephesians. As, and you were dead in transgressions and sins. Now, these people are alive because they're hearing this letter read, but Paul is saying you were dead. 
So what's all that about? They were alive physically, but at one time, they were dead spiritually, separated from God. We can, we'll call this their BC years, before Christ. Spiritually, in their hearts and minds, they were dead, dark, and blind. Now, let's look at our identity with Christ. Look at chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Man, don't you love those two words, but God? But God. Being rich. A zingdillionaire, filthy rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even, even when we were dead in our trespasses, watch this, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, raised us up with him. And then the last one, verse 6, and seated us with him in the heavenly places. When you became a Christian, and, and some of you don't know the date, that's, that's fine. If you are a Christian, three things are true of you. Number one, you've been made alive spiritually. Number two, you've been, you've been raised from your from death, spiritual death, separation from God. You've been made alive. You've been raised from the dead. And number three is just as true as the first two. You've been made alive, and you all know that, born again. You've been raised up, and you've been seated. You've been seated. What, what's that mean? Let me demonstrate with my own life. On March... 17th, 1970, I was a university student at California State University, Long Beach. I'd been a year and a half out of Vietnam. I was a mess. They didn't have PTSD back then. We just, we just coped on our own resources. I was, I was dead, dark, and blind. And, but all over campus were these posters saying the next day on March 18th, a speaker was going to be on campus named James Weston, uh, a former Black Panther. Now, back in the 60s and the 70s, the Black Panthers were the bad boy on the block. They were the revolutionaries. They were burning, killing, blowing things up. One of these guys became a Christ follower. 3,000 students turned out the next day to hear James Weston tell his story, his testimony. At 10 minutes to 1 o'clock, I'm sitting against a tree in front of the bookstore on the grass. At 10 minutes to 1 o'clock, what I'm going to tell you is not true, but it happened, okay? Um, but it happened, but it's not true. At 10 minutes to 1 o'clock, all of a sudden, uh, I was into heaven. The first thing that hit me, now it's not true, but, but, it, but, it, but it is true. The first thing that hit me uh, were the angels, the harmony of the angels. Millions of them, racked and stacked, this choir. And, and, then I, and then I looked up, and there's Jesus. He was sitting high and lifted up on his throne. And, and this is what Jesus did. He just went. <laughs> and I went. 
And then Jesus looked at me and said, and, and I turned, and, and there was nobody behind me. And, and I looked at him, and I went, and he went. And so I started walking toward, and then I started up the steps. And as I started up the steps, this is what he did. He started sliding over on his throne. And when I got up here, this is what he did. Didn't say a thing, he just went, what was he telling me to do? I said, no, I'll pass. This is your seat. This is your throne. He said, Jay, a second ago you became my bride. Come, sit with me. Sit. It's okay. So I sat down. He said, how are you doing? <laughs> cool. He said, I want you to do something. I want you to look over. I said, no, I'll pass. I don't like heights, okay? And we're in the heavenly realms. <laughs> he said, no, I'll hold onto my arm and look over. So I grabbed onto his he had a set of guns. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but he was more than a carpenter. He, he worked. And I grabbed onto that arm of his, and I looked over, and I went, wow! He said, what do you see? I said, I see Satan and his demons, and they're like, way below your feet. He said, what else do you see? And I looked over, and I said, well, I see your feet, and there's Satan and his demons way below your feet. Wow. He said, hey, Bell, focus, will you? In addition, what else do you see? And I looked down and I said, oh, my God. That's a true statement. I see my feet. He said, yes, Jay. Your feet are dangling next to my feet because we're sitting on the same seat. Cheek to cheek, dangling feet, same seat. In the United States, the highest court of authority is called what? The, the Supreme Court. There is no other authority higher than the Supreme Court in the United States. Men and women, this is the cosmic or universal Supreme Court. This is above everything. It's above everything physical, and it's above everything spiritual. And it's certainly above Satan and his demonic angels. And if you are in Christ, you have been sitting here from the moment you received him as your savior. Now, most of us, are we know we've been born again. We've seen the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and answered prayer. But maybe you haven't understood what it means to be co-seated with Christ, sitting with him. And you know what this means? Look at the last point on your notes. Satan's retreat. Let's take our Bibles and turn to James chapter 4. 
verses 6 and 7. James. James is in here somewhere. He gets lost sometimes. James chapter 4, verse 6. says, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You, we, um, we, we don't want God opposing us. It is, it is very smart and wise to walk in humility. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Who am I? Moses asked God. Who are you? When you submit to God and you resist the devil, he has to flee from you. He must flee from you. He's obligated to you. Not because of you, because of who you are in Christ. And when you resist him, you're resisting him from the cosmic or the universal supreme court of authority. This was uh, demonstrated down in Buenos Aires. It's the widest street in the world, Nueve de Julio. The 9th of July, there's 10 lanes on this side, 10 lanes on this side. And the, the policeman had a box. And the policeman would climb a ladder, climb into the box, and uh, he would be high and lifted up above the traffic, and he would direct traffic. Well, one day, the box was empty, and this little boy darted in and out of 10 lanes of traffic, and he looked up, box was empty, so the boy climbed the ladder, and he climbed into the box. And here's this little guy looking down on 10 lanes of traffic, and you know what he did? And you know what the traffic did? Stopped. Stopped. Why? Because why? He was just a little boy, but the boy was in the box. It wasn't about the boy, it was about the box. The box was the place of authority. And the boy was just exercising, he didn't understand it, but he was just exercising the authority of the box. Ten lanes of traffic. Josh McDowell saw that. He said, that'll preach. <laughs> Let me conclude with this. In 1992, in the Philippines, our missionary families were under major, major, uh, gnarly, Hollywoodized, poltergeist spiritual attacks. It was terrible. So my executive director, my boss, Tom Julian, and I got on an airplane, flew to the Philippines, and uh, one of the couples were good friends, uh, Clay and Kim Hewlett, good friends with us, with Jan and me. And uh, when I went into the Hewlett home, Kim said, uh, all, all hell's breaking loose. Our, our, our boys are afraid at night. They're seeing these demonic fakes, faces, and, and um, they're scared. They won't go in the room. They won't sleep with the, in the dark. They have to have a light on. We're not getting sleep. And I said, Kim, we, we just, they just need to understand who they are in Christ. 
They need to understand where they're seated. And so I gathered the boys. Big Ray, I called him Big Ray from L.A. He was a fourth grader and Lion, Ryan the Lion, he was a kindergartner. And, and I, I shared with them what I'm sharing with you, only for a fourth grader and a kindergartner. And I said, if it happens again in your room, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your finger, I want you to point at it, say, yo, I know who you are now. Let me tell you who I am. I'm in Christ. Get out of here. And Ryan the Lion, the kindergartner, says, I ain't saying that. <laughs> I said, why? He goes, I scaled, Uncle Jay. I said, I know, Ryan. That's, that's the battle. He's trying to intimidate you, frighten you, scare you, bully you. And so we practiced. And then I had to go to another island for some very important ministry. Went snorkeling. It's like diving into the fish tank at Walmart, man. Just beautiful fish. And came back. I, I, I was walking down the street toward the house, and, and the screen door blew open. And Ryan, the lion, the kindergartner, ran down the driveway, did a hard left turn, was running toward me, and it's like went into slow motion, and when he got close to me, he jumped, landed on my chest, buried his knees into my stomach, and grabbed onto my collar, and he said, they're gone, Jay. I said, what happened? He said, I forgot what to say. I said, what did you do? I said, Jesus, get out of here. What? <laughs> no, 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 not Jesus, get out of here, but Jesus, submit to God get out of here, resist the devil. I said, what happened? He said, they left. Wow. That's who you are. If you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, then uh, you're only sitting here. And um, um, if, you're, if you're humble with yourself, you know how weak you are. <laughs> how weak and fragile we really are. It's all about our position. I'd love to say, let's open it up for questions. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? But let's conclude in prayer. Lord Jesus, I was a mess, Lord. You saw me through three tours, Lord. And then you brought me back to the, what we called the real world. And then, Lord, you led me to Cal State Long Beach and then on March 18, 1970, to sit against a tree listening to this former Black Panther. And at 10 minutes to 1 o'clock, your grace... Your mercy, rich in mercy, made me alive, raised me up from my deadness, Lord, and seated me with you in the heavenly realms. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Freedom is never free. But we are free because you paid the price. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.